Hi, I'm Must Reader, and this is my podcast on rationality, transhumanism, and trends of development of society and tech. Today, here with me is Matthias Ribin, a grandmaster of memory. Hi, Matthias. Hello, Greg. I'm Welcome happy to, to be here. Russia. Welcome I'm to so Russia. happy. I'm honored to have you on the show. How do you find Russia so far? I just came, so I had a nice little walk here, fantastic weather. I'm super happy to be here. Do you like Russian vodka? Well, it's been a while since I had some. Uh, you said it was the custom, so... I'm... Yes, you, you, you have to. <laughs> when in Rome, do as Romans, you know. Yes, well, I'm going to trust you on this one, Greg. So we'll see. So here we have a traditional side dish, Russian pickles. Mm -hmm. How you drink vodka is as follows. You take it as a shot, as a gulp, so you don't sip it. It's uh, not a long drink, mm. because it's not very tasty, actually, even we Russians acknowledge it. You take it uh, as a shot, and after that, you drink till the bottom, and after that, you take a pickle, you smell it like this, and then you eat it as a whole. Okay, okay. And that's the tradition. So, uh, to memory. I see the tradition. I'm going to tweak it a, a little bit, so. <laughs> you smell it? Then mm. you eat it. All your senses. Great. Now we are ready to start. First of all, Matthias, let's start uh, with your biography. I'm sure many people are confused. What does Grandmaster of Memory mean? Grandmaster of Memory is an official title that you get in memory sports which you, they compete in all over the world. There are also a Russian team and there are teams all over the world. These international competitions where we compete in a decathlon. So it's always 10 events where you have to learn everything from numbers, decks of cards, to names and faces, sounds, images. You have to be able to take in any information, basically. And and how do you become a Grandmaster? Yeah, one of the requirements, there are several, but one is in the event of one-hour numbers, where you get a bunch of papers with just random digits, more than you could ever learn. You get to stare at them for one hour, and then you get a clean sheet of paper and a pen, and you have to write down the exact order of as many as possible. After one hour? Yeah, after one hour. And, and you memorize. Even a single mistake uh -huh. gives you a lot of deductions, so you have to be precise. And my best was to do 1,060 digits after each other. So that was about the 1,000 grandmaster. This is crazy, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look at the screen, here you will see the, the numbers that Matthias memorized. Um, how to do this? Are you a magician? No, this is all the results of training. I don't have any special skills that I'm born with, I don't have photographic memory, but I started to train my brain, and that was only when I was 28 I started with this. So before that, you were not a memory expert. Everyone who knows me before that knows. I had average grades in school, I didn't have any special skills, so all my old friends, you can just check with them. <laughs> so, but I worked as a teacher because I love learning. I love learning, so uh, the thing is, I wanted to hack this. I mean, there must be a way to be able to do it better. Yeah. So I started researching this, training myself, and then I discovered there was a sports for this, and that fit me just perfect, because it's so measurable, what you can do. It's incredible, you can get it black and white, There's no, you see it. You can go from being just anyone to with a little bit of training to do these fantastic things that people don't think are possible. 
So everybody can do this. Yes, absolutely. And I've spent my last 10 years now since I've been doing this promoting this and how to use this inner technique for everyday learning. I've written four books in Swedish, uh, which in Sweden have sold 100,000 copies, but one of them now coming out in English in November, so that more will come also. So that's my big thing, it's not really, I mean, it's good to show. The link will be in the description of the video. Yeah, it's good to show in sports that it can be done, but the important thing that people should be able to use this in their daily life. No matter if you're a student or if you're at work, how to quickly become an expert in new areas and how to take in all this information that's all over us all the time. I'm sure many of our viewers are now wondering how they can do this, how can they achieve at least uh, not comparable results, but at least better memory than yeah. they have now. So can you please uh, provide examples of techniques that you yeah. use to memorize this stuff? We can do something super easy to start with and that everyone can try immediately. You know, have you ever had the experience listening to a podcast or some music, uh, being maybe out walking or so, then the next time you hear something similar like that, yeah. you immediately remember where you were. Yeah, the, the surroundings, everything. Exactly. So now, in this smart tool, we'll use that. You know, when you have something to read, a book, your readers love books, yeah. uh, you shouldn't sit at the same desk reading the full book. You should read one chapter per position. So what you do is that you read the first chapter at your desk, then you walk up into the kitchen, maybe sit down on the kitchen floor, read okay. the second chapter. Third chapter, or you can even have smaller segments than that, you go into the bathroom, sit on the toilet seat, read the third mm -hmm. one. If it's a nice weather, you can go out in the park, read one. Read one chapter at each place. What happens then is magical. Because in this way, your brain sort of creates folders in your brain. So it's just like information. A yeah, like automatically. And afterwards, without using any techniques, you can immediately retell the most important thing in each chapter without missing a single one. Wow. There might be 30 chapters and you can just stand there with your own world retelling this without using any specific memory techniques or so. This is just a smarter way of using your brain. So that's a start, starting trick. Well, that's really interesting. I should try it. I, I'm sure that most of our viewers know about mnemonics, the art of memorizing things, by pop culture, from pop culture, I think from Sherlock yes. TV series where uh, Sherlock Holmes is uh, uh, recalling a memory palace, mind palace, mm -hmm. where he has uh, some things sorted out uh, to memorize them, but it's extremely complex. So you have provided an example that's really easy. Can you provide uh, more examples? Absolutely. And I just want to say with these mnemonics, memory palaces, you know, we've known about them for over 2,000 years. 2,000 years. Yes. There's nothing new, but no one is using them among the ordinary people, right? Yeah. Why is that? Well, it's because they're too difficult to start with. It's impossible to start, and, uh, so, and it doesn't look like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> you know, I do these kinds of things, but you know, it doesn't look, if we try to visualize something, we try to visualize something uh, simple like just a uh, flower pot, 
If we imagine a flower pot here, mm -hmm. it will never look as clear as it does with eyes, you know. What happens in our brain when we try to visualize something is that for a fragment of a second, we might think we've seen something and then it's gone. And then we can try again. I mean, it's super vague. It doesn't look like Sherlock Holmes. You cannot go in like picking things from your inner drawer like that. Doesn't work like no, that. That's, that's not so accurate. No, it's not. It's vague, but it works anyway. That's the cool thing. So you can learn to slightly go in this direction. I mean, if we had the, the first tool that we just did when reading in different positions, I call that position reading, by the way. When you read one chapter in one position there and then go to the next room, one position, that's a start. And then if you want to take this to the next level of training, then what you need to do is try to visualize what you're reading, try to see it in front of you, almost as if it's like a movie in a way. I mean, if, if you reading a newspaper article. That's a real good way to start training this. You know, if you would read a newspaper article about a robber, then you, would, then you see it in front of yourself, how he runs out of the bank, out into the pavement, looks around, he's really stressed out. He has a blue cap on, he has a green jacket maybe. Uh, brown trousers, can you see him? Yeah. Black shoes. In balaclava. Yeah, you can have that as well. Well, so he runs down there, police chasing after him. And what happens is, if I would later just ask you, what was the color of this robber's trousers? Brown? Brown, yeah, I mean it. What was the hat? I told him that. Yeah, exactly. The jacket? Ah, uh, the jacket I missed. No, no problem. Too, uh, uh, and the shoes? Oh, I'm not yet. Sorry, I'm, put, I'm putting you on the test here, Greg. <laughs> but you immediately found yeah. the trousers and everything because you were paying attention and you were seeing what I was talking about. Yeah. You were seeing, you were creating your own understanding in this little simple uh, thing. But what happens when we visualize, it should also be done by two criteria to become a better visualizer. And this is how you train it. So the first criteria when you visualize something is that it should always be big images. Okay. You see the cap, you see the head of the, you see Like big, exaggerated. Large, yeah, no, large images, exactly. If we were to visualize an apple, it's not just a small huge apple like apple. that. Yeah, exactly, huge one. Second criteria, it should be three-dimensional. Always okay. visualize in 3D, mm -hmm. no flat photographies. So try to see as if it takes up space in front of you. Okay. That's where the magic happens, uh, because yeah, as if it takes up place here in front of us. You know, because what we are doing then, we are simulating an actual experience for the brain. We're trying to see some as if it was there, mm -hmm. and you know when. When some time has passed, I mean, it's ridiculous in a way because we know there, there, there is no apple here, but when some time has passed and we look back at our experiences, our brain doesn't have a fixed way to separate what were the real experiences and what was just made up. 
Yeah. I mean, they've experienced... No they, difference. No, it's very different. You, they've done science on this, you know, in witness situations, in uh, criminal uh, situations. Yeah. When you're going to retell your experiences, they see that we make stuff up all the time. All the time, and we believe in ourselves. Like false memories. Yes, we create them all the time. We do. They've shown that they've shown in a chemical way in the brain even that each time you think back on a memory, you create it anew. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing old that so you, you take rewrite, up. Uh, you rewrite it all the time. There's a fantastic brain researcher called Julia Shaw, British. She works in the legal system trying to get the latest brain science into the, that system. And she says, like a thumb rule is, the more someone is certain of details, the less you should believe him. Well, that's really a, a, new, a new idea. Except because that person is not aware of how our brain works. But so this is a little bit strange, but you know, you can use this strange feature by creating actual experiences. And that's what we did with the position reading. We did a simple experience creating by sitting, reading one chapter on, a, on the toilet, for example. But the next level is visualize one image when you read uh, a certain paragraph or a, a chapter or so. So at the same time as reading, it, it doesn't have to be like the robber and that thorough and so on. It can just be something simple. Visualize something three-dimensional at the same time as you read. And these inner images, they, they, they work like magnets. Let's drink to the marvelous thing called human brain. Okay, yeah, we surely need a drink for this, yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Ah. Don't forget about the pickle. Okay, yeah, it's difficult to talk at the same time, but how do your audience usually, do they like the smacking noises? It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you have provided some interesting use cases yes. of uh, your skills. Uh, and uh, it's not that difficult to start with. You just visualize stuff, for yeah. example. You read in uh, different situations. Uh, I, I'm interested in uh, name recalling because I personally have a problem with remembering names. Yes. When we met, yeah. you asked the name of each of my team members. Of course. Do you remember all of them? Leonid, Sack, Alena. We have, uh, yeah, we have uh, Dasha here also doing the makeup. Yeah. Of course. Cool. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. so awesome. And it's a how very, it it's a, such an important thing to quickly develop new relationships professionally or whatever, that you quickly get to learn to know people, you get a better connection and so on. So it's super important. And it's a good way to start practicing because what you should do is to turn a name into a three-dimensional image. So for example, when, if I meet a uh, Sam, just to take a, I, I see a packet of ham. Uh, you know, Sam Ham. Yeah, exactly. You take something, and this is usually by the way of language association. So you take the first thing that comes to mind. But the important thing that if I meet a Sam, I see this uh, packet of ham here. Do you see how large it is, by the way? Yeah. It's large. Yeah, it is. And I can tell you one thing that large and 3D, and you will see me usually wave in this size. Mm-hmm. because this is a standard size. 
that you should always visualize in. Like, so no less. And no, no less. As, as if you're uh, like this yoga balls, uh, you yeah, know, feet yeah. balls. Yeah, exactly. So that's it. So even if, if I was to visualize an aeroplane, this size. And if you're not used to visualization, you can even hold out your hands, feeling that here we have the package of ham, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then if I meet a Sam, I look at his face, and then I see this package of ham between wow. us. <laughs> then the, the mind sees two images at the same time, so it connects them together. So I know that this is Sam, and I can even place it on his head and so on, or on his shoulder. Do What something. did you use for members of my team? Greg, for example, I, there's a favorite singer basis called Greg Lake for me. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a specific CD uh, cover uh, wow. of an old <laughs> that I'm, well, that's Greg. Uh, Alena, that sounds like alone. So I was mm-hmm. thinking about this uh, alone at home, old uh, English uh, written movie. movie. Yeah. So you do think, and then you add something. So it, for other people, it might not be uh, logical, but you just take the first thing. So that's the thing with names. It's a lot about what comes up, what it sounds like, but you turn it into a three-dimensional image because then the brain can really gain control over it. Just vague association, we usually mix up. But three-dimensional images, the key is we can all separate between hundreds and thousands, if not millions, of three-dimensional images. We do that all day. We step into a new room like this. We see a a new kind of chair that we've never seen before, but we recognize that it's a chair because we we match it towards other three-dimensional images we've seen. We don't mix up the image of a car tire with a ladder, for example. We are super certain on this. So that's the key. And also this three-dimensionality, this, this is why the old memory techniques doesn't really work. You know, we've heard about the Sherlock Holmes things, but also this, that you should create elaborate stories. You've heard about that old technique. Yeah. It's stories too, that uh, combine uh, various uh, yeah, things. That's too complicated. Too much of an effort. I mean, if you sit and li- listen at the physics lecture, you need your full focus. Thanks. You need full focus on the physics lecture. You can't be away thinking up a separate story, but if you visualize three-dimensional still images, you, that becomes automatic. Still like metal. Still, yeah. They should have a real matter, as if it, they were real. This, this apple, for example, or the packet of ham. And your mind can see that and listen to the physics lecture at the same time. What exactly should I visualize? A still figure? Which, which size, which yeah, you can do. You can use something. The thing is, you can even visualize a random image. So you can just take an, an office chair to okay. visualize when you're listening to a certain segment. So I'm uh, at university, for yeah. example. I'm listening to a lecture. I visualize a chair, office chair, yes. made of steel. Yeah, perfect. Uh, floating uh, here, for yeah. example. And then you listen to that segment, and then when they turn into a separate segment, let's say you're working on some different, different kinds of calculations, trying to learn that. Okay. So this is the office chair calculation. You visualize that at the same time that you're doing this tricky thing. Then you're supposed to learn a different kinds of sets of calculations and so on. That might be a tea bag. 
for example. Okay. Tea bag. Huge this tea bag. Huge tea bag, exactly, hanging down. Then you work on that, and then this becomes the tea bag calculation for our brain. And these two, you might have mixed them up in the beginning, but now the brain doesn't mix up the office chair calculation with the tea bag uh, calculation. So we turn it into separate experiences. And what happens then, when, what, what we did with the text earlier when reading, it gets turned into 30 different experiences, if you read 30 pages, for example. And the brain separates it, and then it starts to analyze it. That's the cool thing. That happens on its own. Instead of everything being just one thick pile of information where we miss lots of it, it's separated from each other, divided up, where you can find a way back to these things. And you know, I work with university students that work with these like one three-dimensional image per page. For all mm -hmm. their study literature, it can be thousands of pages. Doesn't matter for the brain. We can always that, that's a smart trick when you need new images all the time. Yeah, you, you have to have a very rich fantasy. Yeah, no, you don't. You can quickly do a variation of an earlier image. Such as? Take your office chair. Okay. Let's see that uh, an, an, another office chair, but made out of green plastic. Yeah? You see it immediately. A chair, similar, yeah. And then you can do a... Uh, an office chair uh, made out of chocolate, which doesn't have an, the, the, the back uh, seating. Yeah, I can, see the I can do that. Yeah, exactly. And then you see one, another chair made out of cheese. Can you see that? Okay, absurd, but I can. Yeah, you can. But the thing is, it has to have a real material, three-dimensional, everything. But you know, I can easily make up, I mean, 200 chairs immediately that the brain doesn't mix up, doesn't mix up the chocolate one with the, the metal one and so on. It's all, for the brain, it's a different image. So it works like a different magnet. And the thing is then, when you end up on, uh, you've studied this before the exams and you've had this one image per page, and then a question comes that deal with something that's on the, uh, metal uh, chair page. Mm -hmm. uh, you read something and then you're reminded by, of that image and your brain finds other things on that page automatically. It recalls uh, all the page. Yeah. That you retell with your own words. It's not as deep. When, when we just do this basic training, you might miss something. But let's say you learn 100% more than you would without. Yeah, that's still a huge uh, way forward. Exactly. And what happens then, the brain gets reminded, finds it, it's, you know, it's only a clue. The image is a clue to find the right folder in the brain, and it goes back to, ah, and then you fill in the information, and then the brain, the other images are not that far away, it quickly finds its way, mm, mm, mm. You, you add more information, and you're in control. I mean, oh, it's stupid. The, the, the thing that we learned in school was, you know, the only technique I was taught was basically read the same thing over and over. Yeah, and until, just until hope, you remember. Yeah, just cool. hope for the best. Yeah. It's this not enough. Bullshit. It's boring. I mean, this thing that, you know, repetition is the mother of all, all learning. Mm -mm, it's not the mother. It's maybe a sibling or so, but definitely not the mother. 
You know, repetition can be the most mindless, mechanical, just reading the same thing over and over again. You need smart, real repetition. I've heard about spaced repetition. Yes, yes, but you can also do that in a stupid way, just mindlessly mechanical reading with certain spaces. The thing is to go back to your visualized images. Go back to the three-dimensional experience. Then the whole, the whole understanding, the whole thing, gets really uh, repeated. And then, of course, you have to use uh, that good spacings and so on. But the key is how to do it, not just mindlessly doing it in any way. So that's, that's really a key to learning. Let's drink to all the students oh. that will use your techniques for preparation for their Absolutely, exams. yeah. Good luck to you guys. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. That's the thing. I mean, students usually come to me afterwards and say, is this cheating? And I say, no, why, why should it be? And they say that, well, I knew when I got into the exam, I knew 100% in me. I knew I know everything. I just should write it down as if I had sort of a cheat paper with me. It's that clear. I said, that's wonderful, you know. But we are not used to this uh, control that we get. Because that what happens otherwise is that we sort of, uh, you know, we hope that something will stick there. We read again, 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 and then just hope for the best. You know, that reading mindlessly again, that's like if you would throw documents into your computer totally without names, without folders, without locations or names. That Not effective. No, they are there on the hard drive, but you cannot find your way back to them when you need them. I see. So, so these this three-dimensional experiences for our brain, that's like a, uh, uh, yeah, it's a system of clues that you're in control of. So that you, you, you know what you know and you earn, you earn it. You, it's your own chest, treasure chest. So if your audience can start to read like this, increase the vividness of your reading, you're gaining so much more, not just, I mean, Memory isn't even that important. Memory is just a bonus that, of that your brain has understood something. What is important? To understand. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Do you see? It's super clear in English. <laughs> Can you see it? And if you, then the brain understands what it's talking, it simplifies. And it can simplify even the most uh, tricky, uh, abstract information. But just give it so nice for the brain. You find your way back to it. That's the thing. I wrote a, a full book together. That's the one coming out in English in November. Uh, a book of a, of a new way to understand math and oh, to learn yeah. math. I wanted to speak about it. Yeah. So you have invented new ways to understand maths. Yes. It's not boring, and if people feel like they're stupid in maths, they're not a maths prodigy. No, exactly. They should, they should try your maths, right? It, yeah, it's called Maths Unwrapped. And the thing is, together with a mathematician, I've developed a way to think in images and in a way that you also learn by thinking in images all the time. You learn actual, starting with the rules of arithmetic up to more and more advanced math, real math. Uh, that's the thing, that this has not been done with these so-called memory techniques before, because you know you don't need to memorize stuff usually in math. 
You don't need the exact number, the answers to problems, because you can, if you understand, you can always count your way back to them. Mm -hmm. So, but what we've done, since I say that the inner images is their understanding, it's not memory, Me memory is just a bonus. It's understanding, so that's why we've applied this to math. It hasn't been done before. It, it's actually uh, Great Britain's oldest book publisher who has now seen this. They will release it all over the world. And it will be on the same book publisher as uh, Charles Darwin. Wow. Just, just so you know. Congratulations. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a fun thing. But let's, let's drink to that. Let's do that. Charles Darwin. To Darwin, all right. <laughs> Respect. Mm. The sips are getting bigger and bigger here for me, so I'm getting into this. You, and that's, that's the thing. You, you know, we can do a little math, a math thing here, an example. Let's do this. Because what we do in the book, for example, when you get a, uh, up a little bit in the book, we have an exercise where you visualize a cow that's sleeping. Can you see that here in front of you? A sleeping cow. Sleeping cow is sleeping on, a, uh, on the grass. And then, okay, uh, with the head on one side and the, the tail to the other side, sleeping yeah. there, then comes a person, goes up to the head and starts to lift, try to lift this uh, cow. By the horns. Yes, by the horns, they start to lift this up. And this is actually a guided visualization that takes like 15 or 20 minutes to go through in completeness. But what you do is, I tell you how to visualize, you see how he, he lifts it in a certain way, and everyone can follow, everyone can get a glimpse of what it looks like, but what shocks people are after this visualization, because then everyone who's done it can estimate a sinus value and a cosinus value for all possible angles. And they say, no, I can't do math, that's too tricky for me, but wait a minute, if he lifts that up there, then cosinus is a little less than one sinus. You start to reason like a mathematician. That's awesome. It's incredible. No memorized numbers anywhere, no mechanical uh, uses, but real understanding. You've ins like an engineer, you've created your own understanding, you're in control of it. So this is the fun way and the real way to learn. Matthias, I'm uh, wondering if you could use all those techniques for learning foreign languages. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Can you give any examples? Yeah, I mean, you, you just... The thing is that you should try... Focus on words. That's the thing. You should always focus on words first. And the cool thing, when you use visualization techniques, your brain can take in lots of them quickly. That's the thing, you know, when you visualize, that's opening up the brain, doors to your brain widely, so much more comes in and it stays there than just the old reading, the, ex the translation and the word again and again mindlessly. It's stupid, it doesn't get in in that way. You know, I've, uh, many of my students who have to study languages in school, for example, they easily learn 50 new words per day. 50? 50. And that's, that's also impressive. That sticks. For example, I had one 18-year-old guy. He had to become better at his French. Personally, I've used this for my German, so to top that up. But this guy, he wanted to become better at French, so he started to learn 50 new words each day for two weeks. It took him about an hour and a half in the beginning. Then it was only an hour. He got into it after a while. An hour for 50 words. Yeah. 
And that's they impressive. See, that's because you see them in images, and the brain finds its way back to the folders. Do you have any examples? Yeah, the thing is you should always tie two images together. And you start with, let's say you want to learn the English word for a, uh, the moo uh, animal. That's cow. Yeah, exactly. Okay. If you want to learn that, uh, you have to first have a meaning image, an image mm. of the meaning, which is pretty simple here. Yeah, you visualize a cow, standard size, everything. Yeah. Black and white cow. X, uh, yeah. Or and, brown. And then you have to attach a pronunciation clue to it. Cow sounds like ow, ow. giving a big bandage around the cow. Ah. You see a big bandage yeah. around it. Ow! It's wounded. It's, uh, yeah, exactly. Cow. So there's just something there. So you've connected the meaning of the word with a clue to the pronunciation. And then the brain finds its way back there. So then you do that. And uh, what you should also use is a... I mean, you can also use it for abstract words. It's no problem. You just take the first image that comes to your mind. It doesn't have to be logical, but you can take uh, uh, just even for verbs or other things, you take the first image that comes to mind, just like we did with the names. Yeah. The I first see. thing, yeah. So you can do that. But you should also use a word frequency dictionary. That's a dictionary which shows the words in the order of how ah, I see. used they are in the language. So the most common word first. And then the less and less. So you advocate for the way to learn foreign language by learning the most common words. First. Of course. I mean, that's stupid in school. At least when I started learning, you learn sometimes the most ridiculous word. Yeah. You have to study yeah. like uh, um, submarine uh, engineer or something. Mm -hmm. And then, then you don't hear the word again for a year. So and it's like the 80-20 principle, Pareto principle. Yeah, exactly. So you first have to learn the 20% of words that are used 80% of time. Exactly. So then, and there's actual studies in Spanish that shows if you know the two, most 2,000 most common words, you understand 88% of normal talk. So it's not that difficult no. to learn a foreign language. My student did 50 each year. It was uh, 700 words in two weeks. Even after those two weeks, because 50 words each day. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. In images. The first day you'll try it, you have to get used to this visualization. It will take a little bit longer, but each day it will be faster and faster. So that's the thing. And the, what you can do, even more simple. I mean, if you, let's, let's hack the language learning so you can up your language skills in one hour. All right. If you only have one hour to up your skills, All right. then find a word frequency dictionary online. They're, they're free online. You can find it for almost all. For English, uh, see the link below. I know these uh, dictionaries. I have one. Myself. Yeah, exactly. So what you do is you just go through the word dictionary and tick off all the words that you can already do with the sentence. And, the, and immediately when there's one that you cannot use, write it down on your own list. Then you go through, so you get, and then you write down each one that you cannot use yet, until you have your own list of your the 30 most common words that you cannot use. Okay. And then you just learn them. Do any technique, 
But when you learn them, you've immediately upped your game to a new level, only after one hour. Because it's usually those common words that we've somehow failed to learn, and it can be throughout years in school. I was shocked because I studied German in school, and when I found for the first time, learned about word frequency dictionary, I saw there were real early words that I had no idea, and I'd spent years studying it. And it's, those are the same, I mean, sticks that goes into your wheels that you can never progress. So you sprich du Deutsch? Ja, ja, natürlich. Wir können ja. dies in Deutsch machen. Ja, ja wir können ja. das ja. in Deutsch reden. Okay. So you studied German, the German language? Yeah, I haven't studied, uh, I started a new language. I don't have the need. I've spent full time working with students, writing books and so on. So, but uh, I would probably learn more languages later. But now I've focused on math, I focused on uh, reading different things, you know. The cool thing is that when you start to master your brain, there's so much you can do, but there's always one limit. And that's the 24 hours we have during <laughs> our day. So you have to decide on what you will focus on. So what's the main application of your principles for your life? Well, for now, for researching, for example, my fifth book, Uh, what I do is I, for example, I can do things that no one else can do when researching. I have to plow through a lot of books, lots of studies and so on. I can do that in the car. And immediately when I hear something interests, I write it down in my brain together with, I mean, it, there might be a time code and so on if I need to go back and check the, to get the actual uh, resource uh, study and so on. But so then after just a normal car drive, I might have a list of 40 important studies that I need to go through in detail. And then I just go ahead with that. podcasts or exactly. audio books? Yeah, many of these things. Exactly. You go through them. So, and you, I can always take mental notes. This is, you know, we've all learned to uh, store information on paper. That's where we learned the alphabet and we learned how to combine them into words and we can write down anything on paper. Visualizing is like learning to write down directly into your brain. It's a new alphabet that consists of normal three-dimensional images. So it's quickly to learn this alphabet. Yeah. And then you learn, then the next step is to learn to connect them together, that you place uh, the office chair on top of the apple, for example, mm -hmm. and then they are always connected and you can find your way back there and you create folders and subfolders and you learn more and more and more. Uh, so that, that's when the training gets uh, a little bit uh, into the next levels. And then you, you can apply, you can write down anything. Okay, let's drink to practical application of these things. Because you have yourself said that memory means nothing. It's the ability to learn new stuff that yes. matters. Ex absolutely. Well, let's drink to the fact that we can learn many, many, many new things. And yeah. I'm sure that... Um, transhumanism and technology will come soon that will make our lives even longer. We will live more than a hundred years, more than 200 years. We'll have all the time in the world to learn all the stuff that we want to learn. Absolutely. Let's drink to this. Cheers. Cheers. Wonderful. I, I feel that I'm on the real Russian YouTube channel where we drink vodka. It's uh, amazing. I'm interested in your approach to reading. I've seen your interview where you say that 
it's best when you read non-fiction books to first read a summary of the book and then read the book itself. Can you please elaborate on this? Yeah. Always when you're going into a new topic, never start with the full book. Always start by googling short summaries. Google short summaries that uh, and spend a little bit of time on that, you know. Mm-hmm. The thing is that otherwise have you ever been at a lecture or uh, reading something and like three hours later is it's nothing's there. It's like if you were not even present, nothing could come in. Have yeah. you ever had that situation? It's like Teflon uh, syndrome? Yeah, the brain Teflon syndrome. It's a nice word for it, where you know, water just pours off a frying pan, Teflon frying pan. Nothing is there, and that's because if you go into a new area and you read a detailed book, there's nothing, it's too new many times. And if you try to take in something that is too new, it will be gone a few hours later. It's too difficult for the brain. We need to go from the whole to the details, not the other way around. Top down. Exactly. And that's always the case. You know, when I work with university students, it's a mandatory for them that before a new course, you never go just to appear at the lecture on the new course. You spend at least half an hour reading short summaries of that, because what happens then is the brain forms sort of an, I call it knowledge skeleton. Like a skeleton, you get a vague idea of what areas are important and what's not there and some key features and so on, so you get a little bit. And the thing is that if we define what learning is, learning is the ability to connect something new to something you already know. That's always learning. Mm-hmm. You connect something new to something you already know, and then, ah, you see it, you can apply it, you understand it, that's the thing. Bingo. Yeah, and if you start with details, there's nothing, there's no overview to connect things, you know. I, when I studied history in school, that was such an, an area for me that it just didn't work. I didn't understand why. I put so much time into it, I heard the words, I saw the words, but nothing seemed to stick. Other topics were fine, but not history. I didn't understand then why. But the key is, well, I had no overview. I immediately was just approached with, with, and the thing is, to become your audience, you should become masters of summaries. Masters of summaries, become that, because what happens is, if you read several different summaries, you will have a much deeper knowledge of what you've read than if you start with the actual thick fact fact book. Because if you've read several summaries, it's easier for you to connect that information to other areas. It's easier for our brain. We get, we are, we see it from different angles. We try to build something from start. If you just read a detailed full book, the only thing you can do is like a rabbit, repeat some parts of it. It's not the full understanding. So that's why many, for example, journalists, they often become professional uh, authors in their interest areas because they become genuine experts. They go in the right direction, starting with the summaries. So combine these, Start always with summaries, and then when you go into the full thing, then use visualization, simple visualization techniques. 
Mm, can you provide examples of how you can better mm, remember the facts or techniques that you encounter in books? Yeah, that's the same thing. One image per page. That's the thing. You visualize one three-dimensional thing at the same time that you're studying that page because have you ever had the experience, maybe during studies or so, that once in a while you remembered what a page looked like? Some page just stuck, stuck with you. There might be some special picture or something mm -hmm. special yeah. with the, yeah. the uh, paragraphs and so on. And that single page you can always find your way back to that folder in the brain. Uh, this reading with one image per page, no matter if it's facts, if it's whatever it is, you find your way back to all of them. It's like that technique, but it works for all pages. Hundreds of pages, maybe thousands of pages if you use that. No problem. I see. Let's drink two books. It's yes. a wonderful invention of uh, humankind, I think. Books uh, accumulate the knowledge of our human race and uh, let us uh, just soak it up like, like uh, we talked to the person that uh, wrote the book. But we, we didn't, no. we just read the book. And this is amazing. The book enlarges our inner word, uh, world. So by reading a book, we expand our inner world, we see things, we always do it. You know, this is nothing new. Visualization is nothing new for the brain. We do that all the time. Have you read a book and then seen the same thing as a movie? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We get disappointed, Yeah. right? Because when reading a normal book... We visualize it differently. Yeah, we've seen, yeah. exactly. But up until now, we've been dependent on good author that creates vivid images that have a very... And then maybe some images come up and so on. And thanks to these, you know, these become the magnets of our brain, that, so we can follow a full plot of many hundreds of pages. And other, we already do that. It's incredible what the brain do. But now we can create those images ourselves, even if it's a, maybe even a boring study book that you need to go through. Mm -hmm. you, can you know now how to, the criteria for creating those vivid experiences. So that's yeah. the magic. Yeah. We are in control. That's the thing, I mean, doing these thousand numbers in one hour, it's not like I'm interested in random digits. I mean, it must be the most boring thing in itself, <laughs> completely useless. But since I create vivid images, even that becomes interested. Uh, so the thing is that now you're free from this having to like your topic. Sometimes some people say that you have to like something to really be able to learn it. Mm -hmm. Not when you can visualize it yourself. Then you can learn even things you don't like. It's just as easy. Let's Cheers think. to that. Books, Cheers. learning. Book person. Yeah. Pickle. Mm. Uh, since uh, my viewers like reading books, I cannot but ask you the question. Which books can you read to become more proficient in uh, mnemonics, in uh, memory, in the skill of memorizing things more efficiently? I, for example, when I was um, a child, read uh, some books by Tony Buzan on memorizing stuff, yeah. and uh, some books by uh, Foer, 
Yeah. Jonathan Ford? Yeah, yeah, of course. Moonwalking with Einstein. Yeah. yeah. Would you recommend them? Well, usually these books teach you how to memorize uh, the memory sports disciplines. You learn from Jonathan Foer, you basically learn to memorize a deck of cards and things. And these are not things that you need in everyday situations and random digits. Many of these books teach you that. So I'm not that impressed with many. I would, there's one memory book that is fantastic and that's called the uh, Memory Code. Memory Code. Yeah, by the author Lin. L The lies in below. Yeah. Because they, she put a historical uh, angle and show that before there were books, before writing, you know, when we look at ancient art, everything from cave paintings to Stonehenge and huge megalithic uh, sites, they are actually mnemonic devices. Really? Because they couldn't write in words, they wrote with the brain, just like we did when we read one chapter uh, sitting on the toilet, one thing out <laughs> on the park bench. They created spaces where they go through, for example, there's this fantastic, you know, there's a tribe in Africa which has something that's called a Lukasa board. It's a board made out of different kinds of pearls, different things. They, some parts of it have sharp edges. Mm -hmm. You touch that and you talk about the wars that that tribe had, for example. And then there are other parts about the lineage of the families, other parts about important plants and things you have to know. They use memory devices like that. So and in order to trigger imagination. And then that is really the key. So that's a fun book. But you can read even if uh, one of my books is coming out in November. But my other books are online as uh, are online as online. Uh, oh, sorry, my other books are already on. The vodka is kicking in. Already. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. <laughs> my other books are online, translated as e-learning courses at grandmasterofmemory.com. That's my homepage. Please see the link below. What I wanted to ask last is uh, the following thing. You probably are as proficient in memorizing things as it's possible to be. You can memorize whatever you want. You probably read books, right? Yeah. Not, not only non-fiction, but also fiction. Well, I don't really have the time currently, but sometimes. <laughs> Do you like... What, what are your favorite fiction books? Well, my favorite fiction books, I mean, it was... I don't really read fiction anymore. Why? I'd read... Maybe in the summertime, I read one sort of a thriller just to relax or so. What are your favorite books? Okay, well, my favorite books are actually in mysticism. Mysticism? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Are you and, a mystic? Well, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, you know, our, us memory champions, we have a long mystic tradition. Okay. You know, there's all these, uh, the old famous monk called Giordano Bruno. Giordano Bruno, yeah. yeah. He was a, a, really a memory master uh, myself. He had trained this and learned these techniques. He was uh, definitely a mystic. But I love uh, the Russian mystic Uspensky. Uspensky? Yeah. 
That's one. That's uh, probably the most. That's life, a surprise. That's the most life-changing book I've read. In search of the miraculous. What's the name? By, in search of the miraculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love all his work and, and so on. So, yeah. Well, so fiction not really my thing. Wow. So Uspensky. Maybe we give out Uspensky to oh, wow. the winner of our contest. Incredible. I mean, in that. What that kind of book can do, and my whole practical approach to mysticism is that is about changing your whole worldview into a much more efficient, productive, and uh, possibility-opening worldview, because it's basically your worldview which sets the frame of what your life will look like. That's the thing. That will set the outer edges. Your worldview will set the outer edges. On your, so you can, if you design a much more efficient and better worldview, so many more possibilities uh, come there. And this is, for me, is, has been one of the most important aspects because, because there are more to life than books. There are many things in life. There are relationships. There are work. <laughs> there's man. You have to get the whole life aspect and to. Become more of who you are. Exactly, <laughs> there's the party. <laughs> so to uh, now, that's uh, really the main uh, thing. I mean, if you can go as change yourself as deep as possible in a direction that you wish, that will have the deepest effect on you. Matthias, now you have been a little bit slacking, you know, but now you have to drink it till the bottom. No. I want to drink it. To the art of memorizing things to make yourself a better person. Oh yeah, a better person. You you have to learn all those techniques. Many many people they know about those techniques, but they are too lazy to learn them. But it's not that difficult. Every day, just spend two, mm, a little bit like twenty minutes to memorize uh, some stuff, to visualize some stuff, and, and see that, what is your goal. What to really set the goal for yourself and investigate before you just do thousand. You do a little technique Become a there. Become better, better person. Yes. Learn foreign languages. Learn maths. Yeah. Learn stuff that you want to learn. But not at the same time. That's a problem. Start if, with one. Thing. Yes. 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 That's yes. the thing. Yes. And if you learn to really conquer one small thing, I mean, the whole world lies in front of you, and you can by conquering a small thing, you can conquer anything. Because then you've gone through the whole process, and then you can apply that uh, experience to many other processes. But don't do small thing here, small thing there. Choose one thing, become obsessed in a passionate way. Yeah. That's the fun thing. Read the books by Matthias. Read the. Become obsessed by them. Matthias. Become <laughs> Matthias. Become Matthias. <laughs> become obsessed by them. Uh, learn these techniques. When I uh, was at school. I read some books about mnemonics, but I didn't implement the advice that was in them. But now I feel like I'm wasting my time without uh, those methods implemented in my life. I need to implement them. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this advice with us. I want to do this. I want to become proficient in memorizing stuff. This is really important, mm-hmm. and this will give the humanity as a whole a boost. A boost to achieving more. A boost to 
making an impact on our planet. So thank you so much. Let's drink to the bottom. Great, thank Let's you. Let's drink to the bottom. Cheers. We need, we need to change the world yes. with this technique. Cheers. Cheers.